a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. Hello everyone, my name is Johnny Bairstow. I'm a reporter at Energy Live News, so welcome to this podcast. Today I'll be speaking to Hayden Young, who will be talking at Energy Live Expo this year, which is taking place on the 5th of November at the QE2 Centre in London. Our theme this year is climate change, and that's something Hayden will be touching on in this podcast, I believe. Uh, so Hayden, hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Good to speak to you. So uh, Hayden, would you mind telling me a little bit about who you are and your background? Yes, I mean, I, I work for a company called Gaia. In fact, I set it up about 13 years ago. It's a, an energy management consultancy um, with the contributors being former energy managers who have worked in the, in the field. Essentially, we're focused on infrastructure projects, you know, especially around solar PV at the moment on uh, commercial assets. But we're also known for our professional end-user uh, energy management forums, where we chair groups such as the Energy Club Network throughout the UK, uh, Retail Energy Forum, and the University Energy Forum. So we have both two parts of our business. It's all about infrastructures and also about engaging end-users. And uh, you're coming along to talk at the ELN Expo in November. Uh, so I guess we should start with me asking you what you're going to be talking about. Well, at the Expo this year, I'm going to talk about a project I'm involved in called Project Horizon. This is a, a scheme about bringing together loads of end users of energy alongside landlords and uh, funders to install uh, roof-mounted solar PV on commercial assets. So my discussions will be about how it works and the challenges around doing schemes like this. Okay, great. And um. You know, you said you mentioned there's solar on commercial assets. Uh, so you mean on the rooftops of businesses and things like that? Yes, exactly. I mean, essentially, solar panels and putting PV on, uh, on roof isn't exactly new. And it, you know, people have been doing it for quite a long time. And as if you look across the UK economy, you've got lots of domestic householders have got PV. I think it's about a million homes have got solar panels on the roof now exporting and generating power. And we also, if you go on holiday to Cornwall, you'll see plenty of ground-mounted schemes, loads of these fields of generating power, selling energy back into the grid. Yeah, you see more and more um, everywhere you go. Absolutely right. I mean, it's in, and this whole mechanism around trying to drive new renewable power, especially from solar energy, is, is particularly appetising for many people across, across the UK. Um, but a, where I was going to focus on in the talk is all about roof-mounted. Now, with roof-mounted, there are still quite a lot of uh, assets so you see occasional supermarkets or um, or factories with some pv solar panels on the roof but by and large those that have got them are kind of freehold assets you know people actually own their sites um and often their the amount of panels put on are, can be done for planning consent so there'll only be enough to generate a small portion, let's say 10% of the actual consumption. So you often see you see lots of buildings with two or three panels on, you think, what's the point in that? Um, so the, these are sort of a very common schemes, but of course the, the opportunity, which I'll be covering more in my talk, is about the larger part of the estate. So when you, when you sit on a train and you look out of the window, you often go past industrial estates or out-of-town shopping centres, and there's all these sea of roofs. And they're not shiny because there's not, they haven't got solar panels on them. So we're talking to factories, out-of-town shopping, distribution centres, all those kind of people. All those vast amounts of, of land 
you could say, free land on top of roofs that's available there to generate power. So like unleashing course, the potential, really, of what's already there. Well, exactly. I mean, we can use ground-mounted schemes, of course, but they are they're, they're, they do use the, the, the land that could be used for farming. But, you know, roof-mounted schemes is using basically free space that no one's using. And if you've got a bit of, you know, if you're able to use your, your solar panels and put it on the roof, there are some distinct benefits around doing it. Obviously, you're getting cheaper power from that roof. But, you know, you, the, the whole benefit, you know, the UK economy will get lots more generation without having to use extra land. So what's so unique about your project? Well, what's unique is that it's, it's a collective of different people brought together. So we have, we're bringing together the landlords. They are the people who own the physical assets and, and have often struggled in doing schemes like this before. And we're bringing together the tenants, the people who are committing to buy the power. And thirdly, we're bringing together funders, people who have sort of entered the market and may have been investing in PV for ground-mounted in the past or maybe for even the domestic market. Um, but these companies are who are funders see themselves as investors in generation capacity they're familiar with the whole process around energy generation so the project brings together the three main parties sort of to get this uh activity undergoing now i mean the reason we're doing this is that this whole model has failed in the past and um when i when i was an energy manager back in 2016 working in retail there was a whole bunch of uh, businesses and landlords and and uh, tenants trying to tr tackle this problem about getting pv because i wanted to buy uh, renewable power sure and uh, there were fundamentally kind of you know we kept you know i remember there was a whole bunch of us in a room and the landlords were quite engaged and and us as tenants were were quite engaged but even though we were keen to generate uh, use power the, eventually the project started to fall over and people started to sort of leave this and the reason was in 2016 the markets were very different I mean then we had feeding tariffs and feeding tariffs were they were a good idea they were there to sort of help renewable generation be more cost effective so you get a better return on investment but they actually created a couple of problems one is that you're you've you've got a kind of uncertainty because the feed-in tariffs the government had were never sure how long they were going to be until they suddenly dropped. Yeah. So you were saying, yeah, the feed-in tariff was X today, but in three months' time it may be Y, and that Y is going to be a lot lower. So people didn't have certainty? Well, yes. I mean, it, it creates uncertainty, and that's the thing. I mean, it creates a sense of, well, uh, um, well, first of all, you kind of, you kind of race for an, a budget, so you race to get it through, you race to get it locked in a certain time to get a certain feeding tariff. So your whole, your whole mindset around the reason you're buying it is wrong because you're basically incentive chasing. Yeah. But but equally, in terms of the the, uh, the the return investment and how businesses were funding it, they were they were thinking very short termist, very short termist. It's very much, you know, you were you were trying to to nail it down today, and you weren't thinking about it for the long term. Return. So the whole market was created described as misaligned incentives. They've got the wrong drive for it. So, you know, that's why it's it's never really it's struggled in the past. Whereas now, it's a lot more, a lot more potential. When you say now, when did things change? Well, 
So this year, in 2019, first of all, the feed-in tariffs went away. Yeah. Um, so this element of uncertainty uh, has went away, which now it sounds odd. You mean you're saying taking a tariff away? Well, it's an uncertainty. You know, you know, it, to be honest, the whole market is, is the polar opposite of our political uncertainty. You know, political uncertainty creates inaction. This market in the PV is now more certain. So now we don't have feed-in tariffs. The solar panel prices over the last few years have fallen significantly, so your panel costs are less. Your installation charges may be relatively the same. And equally, there's a much greater desire to be more renewable. Climate change and much more enthusiasm around generating renewable power and using your money to help generate more investment is really appealing. I mean, a lot of people are signing up for these RE100 schemes or carbon disclosure project schemes, and they're saying, I'm committing to being 100% renewable. And they would love to see that the commitment they're making means something is created, something is built, something is installed, something is on the roof, something is visible they can have a contribution to. So there's a whole change in the mindset of the UK economy helped by market factors and public demand. So as a, as a, you know, as a, as a market situation, it's now the prime time to relook at these. And that's also tallied with a, a more awareness of how to buy power. So I mean, the schemes like this use a system called power purchase agreements, whereby the tenant commits to buying the power for lengths of time. And that's now not new to many people. A lot of people understand power purchase agreements because they've signed them before for the more standard schemes in the past where you buy you know, buy power and it's built somewhere else in the UK. So there's a, a lot more opportunity now with the feed-in tariffs and people being much more aware of opportunities. And so the, the feed-in tariffs that you were mentioning there, uh, were they kind of creating, because you know, everyone thinks of feed-in tariffs as, you know, being this, a great source of support, uh, as far as I could see it, but you think maybe people were then using them insincerely almost? Well, feed-in tariffs were great, and I suppose it's, it's like anything, it's an incentive to get a market on its feet, and it worked very well, and it has done so. I mean, the feed-in tariffs have supported a huge array of domestic uh, operations throughout the UK, and they've also so supported lots of ground mounted schemes. What we're saying is that this, the PV was getting towards a sort of mature state where it could justifiably stand on its own two feet. And so therefore, it's no longer necessary. Exactly. Is it necessary for the taxpayer to, to fund the growth of an industry which may now be self-sufficient anyway? And the answer would be, well, it is time for them to withdraw state support or put it into something else that needs it rather than the taxpayer having to fund this, this market. And what I'm saying is, Yes, the whole model now can stand on its feet. Now, the returns on investment for, for PV will never be the short, really short time frames that some businesses seek, seek. But for funding businesses, the kind of projects I'm referring to, funders have a much more long-term mindset and are quite able to support that. So it can stand on its own two feet. It's now, it's now the government's original aim of FITS worked. It got the market on its feet. Now it can run on its own. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, your project's going to take things to the next stage, I imagine. Well, yes. I mean, our our game is really to help these energy managers. So when I was an energy manager and I would do energy management projects like LEDs or what have you, the way you convince people in the business was was relatively familiar. I mean, you'd, you'd obviously get your payback analysis or return investment, and then you'd often have to go to a project property person, maybe a finance person to get their approval, forget a capital investment. Of course, with a scheme like this, which is a power purchase agreement, it's a kind of long-term deal whereby the tenants agreeing to buy the power, 
uh, a funder will pay, install and maintain all the kit. And then and the landlord has to approve this, this mechanism. Now, with doing this for the energy manager, their job is really about navigating in a business and getting other people to agree it, which are often lawyers. So it does offer them a challenge. They've got to sort of help them. They've got to be able to communicate their plan and, and help to get the, get the lawyers to support them. So where, what my role really is, is my role is to sort of help these energy managers to navigate through the businesses, influencing the right people on board so the project has legs. Yeah, I suppose that's the, uh, you know, that's a massive part of all projects that happen that um, maybe unless you're an energy manager, you don't really realize how significant that barrier is. Well, I would, I, I find in my role as an energy manager that much, it's about communication is fundamentally the biggest challenge. You've got to be really clear about what you try to achieve and find people that can help you achieve it. Yes, I mean, you need to know about uh, the technology to some extent in terms of, is it viable? Is it, does it work in your kind of asset? And is it going to deliver the carbon energy savings you're striving for? But, but the majority of the roles of energy management are around communicating, about having a very clear message to the business for the underlying benefit to get others to agree to the budgets you acquire or others to agree to the contracts you acquire. Like sharing so your I vision, mean, basically. Absolutely. I mean, you, and you can see how people are doing very well. I mean, you know, a lot of companies are signing up to schemes like the ISO 50001, which really is a, is a tool to enable the business to have sustainability being part of its regular DNA. And it's a good way of solidifying your strategy and making sure everyone commits to it. You know, CDP is another great way of, of getting your business to commit to it. RE100 committed to 100% renewable, another great way. But, you know, it, energy managers are more and more about communicating, selling, um and making others excited about your vision. Because the, the problem you find is that you know, living in a low carbon economy, no one's lived there before. So you're selling a vision that no one's ever really lived in. So they have, they have to be excited by it. They've got to see where the opportunities are for their business and their employers and, and, and where their company can grow. And not just see it as a, I don't know, Hayden's asking for more money this week. Yeah, you have to really sell it to them. Absolutely. It's all about getting them on board, getting them to understand. And realizing that when you're selling it to them, you're selling what you're selling to the individual what they strive for themselves. So if you know, if you're speaking to an FD, you're telling them how it's going to give a good return on investment and help the business grow. If you're speaking to, I don't know, people in HR, is it what the benefits of the company, how it looks externally, the, the brand benefits, for example. It's all about telling them the right messages that they seek. And uh, on a wider note, what what tips would you give to people interested in getting involved in projects like yours? Well, there are kind of three things three big tips i'd say that people need to ponder if they're going to do a solar panel scheme like this first of all is to really have a clear goal for what you're trying to strive for now what i mean by that is a lot of people will say something along the lines of i want to be 100 percent renewable okay that's very good very uh, i praise that how is it However, which is the way you want? To, which way do you want to do that? You could become 100% renewable by buying renewable energy through a third-party supplier. You know, then you haven't got to do any investments. Um, but of course, there's no tangible benefit for that. You can't see any things. You know, there's no constructions on your property. There's no actual things as, as a as a as an outcome of your investment. So first, we need to be really clear, clear. What do you want, and how do you want to achieve it? Solar 
projects and the, what I'm referring to you know, are, you know, will take a lot of convincing. So you need to get the business really clear about what it wants to achieve, therefore its outcomes, um, they'll be meeting their outcomes. Um, the second thing is to recognize this is not an engineering project. Too many energy managers get in, in, absolutely engrossed in the technology and how it works and the amount of energy it provides and all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. The but science. in these schemes, the science, yes. And that could have gripped, you know, in. But, you know, to be honest, solar panels aren't exactly, aren't exactly sexy. They, they, they sit on the roof. They don't, they don't move. They just sit there and they generate power. <laughs> and all the mechanism of how it works, how it operates, how it's maintained, all that, is all managed by the third-party funder who put it on, on board. So what they have to focus on is how to communicate in the business. Back to our conversation earlier. How to get the, you know, so it's a communication project, not an engineering project. In fact, they could be buying anything. It's about, it's about convincing the, the business that's right for the company, all right? The third tip is got to go for the long run, right? You, this takes time. A lot of these projects will take a year to actually get from start of interest to being built. I mean, they could be brilliant projects across multiple sites and huge generation and make them phenomenal savings, but they are, you've got to be in for the long haul. Contracts, lawyers take time. And, you know, it, it, you need to be committed to doing it. So you need to think clearly what's your goal, how you're really trying to achieve it. Secondly, you've got to make sure that you realize it's a communication project, not an engineering project. And thirdly, you've got to have some damn good determination. I mean, the outcomes of it are great because you're going to have solar panels put on loads of sites, huge PR coup, fabulous. But you've got to be committed. Okay, well, thank you very much, Hayden. I'm sold. Uh, but uh, uh, would it be possible for you just to kind of, you know, in a couple of sentences, sum up why people should come to Expo uh, and hear you, you know, talk about this in more detail? Yes, I mean, come along to Expo because at this uh, event in November, I'm going to talk a lot more detail about the solar panel market and how it's really flourishing at the moment. I mean, I've worked in this project for over, uh, in this area for over 13, 14 years now. And this is a really exciting opportunity for energy managers to grasp on something and to make investments that have otherwise not been able to do to date. So I'm going to explain about the challenges there are, the obstacles there are, and, you know, and how to get these on board. Because if you really want to make a good uh, stake in the sand about how it's a really good opportunity and sell, do something exciting for your business, PV is one of the biggest opportunities out there. And solar panel PPAs are absolutely the right route. So look forward to him, seeing you all soon. Thank you very much, Hayden. That was perfect. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you and hearing for more about what you've got to say at the event. Thank you. Cheers. So everyone who's been listening to this, uh, as a reminder, it's completely free to attend for end users. So uh, please go on our website, uh, explore the uh, Energy Live Expo tab there, and you can register right now uh, by getting in touch with us. So uh, yeah, see you then. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thank you. Remember, you can register for Energy Live Expo. If you're interested in registering for this event, taking place on the 5th of November at the QE2 Centre in London, just visit energylivenews.com slash events slash expo. That's energylivenews.com slash events slash expo and get registered today for free.